Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this series, we are discussing CIC issue number 122, The Gospel as the True Armor of God. You can find that at the website, CICministry.org. Now, we've had it brought to our attention that we have some concerns about the translation issue we brought up in Ephesians 1.11, which we quoted out of the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Do you just want to give us a little overview of that issue, and then we'll pick up with Stand Firm on page 5 of the article? Sure. Uh, at the time when I did the research on this, and since then, I've now preached through all of Ephesians. I just finished that. And I covered that verse, and I did a lot of research on it. And back almost 10 years ago, the version of the Holman Christian Standard Bible that I had available, which was the one in the logo software at that time, had it translated the way we cited that we are his inheritance. Well, then, if you look at the newer version of the Holman Christian Standard Bible, it doesn't say it that way. It says we right. have an inheritance, something like that. But nevertheless, right now, the Net Bible has that same translation. Okay. Okay. And yeah. we looked at the current version of the Holman Christian Standard Bible, and there's a footnote that gives this alternative way of looking at it, reading it. Right. Okay. Well, the Greek would tend to tell us we are his inheritance, but I think some theologians maybe, or people who do translations, aren't quite sure why it would be that way, because we'd look at God who owns all things. Why does he need somebody's inheritance? Right. Okay. Uh, okay. It, or why does he need an inheritance? That would be a better way to say it. Well, I think they just don't understand this whole worldview that's based on Deuteronomy 32, 8, and 9. Right. Okay, the allotment. So the nations were allotted under the sons of God, as we said, but Israel was the allotment that Yahweh chose for himself. Okay. And then we trace that idea, and we've covered that, and I preached on it also quite a bit when I was in that part of Ephesians, and I believe that's the correct reading. Now, okay. that's important in this regard. We are the special possession of Yahweh that he chose for himself. And this happened before the foundation of the world. It was brought about in history through the work of Christ through the gospel. I just recently finished the book of Ephesians that I'd been preaching through for parts of three years. And I did an overview sermon that covered that whole thing from eternity past to eternity future, as far as the church being presented as uh, God's own in a pristine condition in the future. And so if you want to hear that, sermon or watch it, it's on the website of ggf.church. 
where I preach. Right. GGF.church. And just the very last one in Ephesians. Find the Ephesians series. Find the last one. That'll cover that. It'll help you understand the whole worldview we're talking about. Why is this significant? Well, the latest thing we've been talking about here is that God has brought us out of darkness. See, the whole world lies in spiritual darkness. Yes. And when Messiah came into this sinful world to bring salvation, he brought God's light. He is the light. And uh, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world in John. And so we've been talking about going from darkness to light. So those who are under the triune God of the Bible and are his people are characterized by being people of the light. Now, last time we talked about how the mystery religions were offering light, but it really was just more darkness and more occultism. Right. We, we talked last week about 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, and we really see both of those ideas here in that verse. We as being God's possession and going from darkness to light. It says, right. but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may be, proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Right. We are his We've been brought out of darkness. We are now in the light. We need to stay there. Yeah, that's a great reference. And that really explains what we're also, we also learned in Ephesians 1.11. So having gone over all of that, we are God's possession. We are his inheritance. We have been brought out of darkness and into his light. That's where we need to stand. And that's right. what Paul is telling us in Ephesians 6. Right. And so in this article that we're covering, which is Critical Issues Commentary, Issue 122, from July through September 2012, this is on, on the PDF version. We're on page five, third column. But why is this important? Well, this is the irony of the whole spiritual warfare teaching and spiritual warfare worldview that's out there that's taught in so many churches. Everything that we just said is declared in the Bible. We've right. been taken from darkness to light. We're Christ's own people. We're God's possession. And there is a battle. But what's the battle about? And how is it that we stand? So in Ephesians 6, you have the armor of God. Now, the claim that I made when I wrote this article, and I still make, is that the items of the armor are the gospel. Yes, they're not some secret entities that certain specially enlightened ones know how to put on where everybody else is just kind of an unenlightened Christian and the devil is beating them up. Oh, right. And so if you want to sell a lot of books, it seems like you have to sell a book with the word secret in the title. Yeah, for sure. But if it's secret that's not revealed, and if it's not revealed, it's not for us. The secret things belong to God. So as generally, unless it's just used ironically or something, that if you see the title secret anything, it's occult. Okay. Now, there are a lot of people who would be outraged about me saying that, 
I'm just telling you what the word means. Right. Not revealed. Okay. So if it's secret, it's the secret things that belong to God. We don't know what that is anyhow. There's no secret. There's what's revealed. And what's revealed is for us. And what's revealed is generally straightforward and simple, whereas these esoteric teachings that are so prominent are things that really aren't revealed and they're not really what the Bible's telling us, but they seem plausible because it says, put on the armor of God. And so the teachers will say, well, are you getting beat up by Satan? Do you have sicknesses? Do you have financial problems? Do you have family problems? Do you have difficulties in life? Well, obviously you don't know the secret of putting on the armor of God. Oh dear. That's what it boils down to. Right. And people like the idea of having something to do to go solve their problems. Right. <laughs> that reminds me of the article I wrote on Means of Grace that started with Naaman. Yeah. Really what we need to know is what God has said. And so putting on the armor of God is defined in Ephesians. So let's okay. explain what it actually says. All okay? right. So in Ephesians 6, in the context of the armor of God, four times it talks about standing. Okay. So the theme is to stand. Right. Now, why? Well, because they have what they need. What they need to do is stand and not retreat. Okay. What would retreat look like in Asia Minor, Ephesus, in the first century? It would be to go back to the shamans, to the secrets of the enlightened ones, the techniques they had for manipulating the world of the spirits. But that's not what Paul's teaching. It amazes me that Christian teachers can take what Paul said and turn it into the very opposite of what he said. And that's exactly what they do. You need to go and complete this process to be delivered from whatever situation you're in. Right. As we've said before, Ephesians 1, 3 already says that we're blessed. Right. But the Christian teacher said, no, you're actually under some kind of curse. You got to find out what it is. Or Satan's beating you up, so you better figure out how to put the armor on. But what are these things? I laid them out in, in this article. So what does it mean to stand? There's an imperative. Stand firm. Stand. What does it mean? Well, it's based on these truths we've already talked about. Number one, we are God's inheritance in Christ. Number two, we already have enlightenment because we know Christ. Number three, we are secure from the hostile powers because Christ will keep us that way, and that's his promise. Number four, the magical practices of the pagans and their shamans are shameful and forbidden and, frankly, powerless. Right. See, the pagans are in darkness no matter how many shamans they have. No matter yeah. how many secrets they claim to know, no matter, matter how many religious practices they implement, no matter how much money they spend on amulets and uh, jewelry or 
idols or whatever is supposed to protect them. They can never really get free. They just rearranging the deck chairs, as we say in our yeah. day, on the Titanic. They didn't okay. Panic back then, but the point is, they're going down with the ship. Right. Okay. Okay. So uh, it's not going to do any good. Number five, our status in Christ is secure. Okay. I wonder why. Sometimes I want, that one's really important. Our status, our standing, our position in Christ is secure. And if I could just summarize thousands of emails over the last 25, 30 years since the late 90s or whenever, 96, I think we first had email for critical issues. I mean, it was pretty early on. Most people have been taught by Christian teachers that they're not secure. Right. Okay. You and, need some process. You need theophostic or you need something else. Yeah. And, to go get free. Yeah. And there's different versions of it. Okay. The non-charismatic evangelicals have their own, which is usually, uh, oh, I'm just summarizing over some decades, some okay. of the articles we've written and research I've done. Things like, um, counseling that would be based on theophostics, discovering memories, things that are linked to psychological processes, determinism based on various things about uh, how you were raised or what you come in contact with. Now, what I call processing the past. Okay. Okay, so there's all of that. So they say, well, yeah, you know Christ, but you still got all these problems based on your past. Okay. So you're not really a new creature. You're sort of a new creature. But the good news is with our help and our books and our processes, if you work and work and work, eventually you will get secure. Wow. So Jesus kind of got you started, but the rest is up to you? Well, that's how they perceive it. And so then I've been spending most of my ministry life in the last 30, 40 years trying to correct that. Okay. But I, I get resistance. Eventually people get it. It's saying stand. It doesn't say start some process. Right. Standing isn't the same as starting a new process. No. But they'll <laughs> say, no, no, it, it says put on, put on. Well, did you put it on? Well, the assumption is it's on, put on. I, I mentioned that in my article here. Okay. It's certainly um, what a soldier would have done. Right. Okay. So it's taking a literal Roman soldier arrayed for battle and making an analogy to the Christian standing firm in the gospel. Okay. okay. But that sounds too easy. Well, I'm not trying to make anything easy. I'm just trying to tell us what the promises of God are so we can believe them. All right. Now, I've read a lot of this. Some of it is pietism. I mean, this goes back a long time. I read one a Puritan book called The Christian in Complete Armor, and it's like three volumes, massive work. 
That book is still really popular in reform circles today. But it just goes on and on and on. And some things are correct. Some are allegories. Some of them are totally off the point. Uh, as if the writer was going to impress us with how many words he could write and take something simple and make it so complex it becomes meaningless and hopeless. Wow. I, I was just reading the one when I was preaching on this about the helmet of salvation. I think the guy's name is Gurnell. So I, was, I thought, well, I'll reread it, see what he says. Well, he spent just a tiny little bit on what Paul actually means. Okay. Salvation, which we have. Yeah. Then he went page after page after page based on Thessalonians about the hope of salvation. And he waxed eloquent this and that. And, oh, wow, how impressive. This guy knows everything. Well, he just took us off the point and went off on a bunny trail and never came back. Oh, dear. I just did that recently. Read that. So okay. wait a second. This is a category here. Ephesians is talking about standing in what we have. Right. Thessalonians is telling us about the hope of the future salvation that will come at the end. Okay. So the hope of salvation is regard to the future, which, yes, that, that is the helmet in Thessalonians, but it's not what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about what we already have and why we can stand. Okay. So the Puritan writer, bored with that, head off on something else or whatever motivated him. So there you have that. But then you have the more pop stuff nowadays. I saw another one, the armor of God. So they prescribed, and several people have done this, uh, uh, incantations, only they don't call them that. Okay. They call them. What do they call them? Confessions or articulate. I don't know what they call them, statements or confessions. They just prescribe this, say this. And you're supposed to do it. Some people say you do it every day. Wow. So you get up in the morning. I put on the helmet. I put on, and then you make these statements, the breastplate. I put on the belt. I put on, I take up the sword. I take up the shield. And they say this, and they keep saying it. And what does that actually do? Well, nothing. They either already had it or... It makes them feel <laughs> like they did something. Yeah. No, I'm not trying to be mean. And I'm sure somebody who listens to this has probably read that sort of thing. Or they read the Puritan version. But the simple truth is more powerful than any of these complex, convoluted, contrived processes. Or even the impressive amount of volume the Puritan writer can have relating to everything here and there in the Bible, but not giving you a clear idea of what it means to actually stand. Okay. Paul's meaning gets lost in all the verbiage. Yeah. Which is far more simple. Now, okay. why would you say this over and over every day, put on the armor, every day put on the armor, with the fear that if I don't say these things, Satan will get in, and something bad will happen. Wow. 
you know, we have the armor. We need to stand. It's not something we need over and over and over. <laughs> I know. But see, anything we can do to make it more like what the pagans had. Wow. That, you know, that's a good point. That's exactly what it becomes. Right. Because they had all these secret processes that the enlightened ones had that ordinary people didn't, and they paid big money to get it. We don't need a process. The, the armor of God is what we stand in and it explains what we have in Christ in the gospel. It's not a process of saying this, saying this, saying this. You, you know why Roman Catholicism is the biggest version of religion called Christian in the world? Because it's just rife with all these processes. Yeah, People like works to go tell me what to do. Yeah. So you see, our father has punishment for your sins over and over and over again. Yeah. And never once even think about what the Lord's Prayer actually means and why it's important in the sense of not that you say it over and over again because you're being punished, but because we're praying for the return of Christ and thanking him for what he's already done. Amen. And so... I, it's, you know, I've spent decades now writing these articles and doing radio, preaching sermons, and I'm hoping we can get back to the simplicity of the gospel, okay? Our status in Christ is secure. We need not fear bad faith. These are in my article. Okay. We don't need to fear bad faith. If, if Ephesians 1, 3 says we're blessed, we're not going to turn around tomorrow and be cursed because we missed something. Right. Okay. That's that's just not, we are secure in Christ. He, he doesn't just kind of take away our armor because we didn't do it right. Yeah. Or, well, now, so, now I'm cursed. I forgot to say my saying in the morning about putting on each piece of armor individually. Right. Okay. Wow. Or, I gave up trying to read that Puritan book after about hundreds of pages and I just, or whatever. That's not helping people understand things. Verbosity doesn't make something right. That's true. Okay. And then ethical living for Christians is such that we stand as those in the light. And so they might say, well, you can just go do anything you want. No, actually in Ephesians 5, and Ephesians 4, we have a lot of material about how we live. Right. It's not that what we do doesn't matter. Oh, no, it does matter. But what we do reflects the fact that we are God's possession and that we're walking in the light. And there's ethical truth, moral truth revealed in the new covenant so we can understand what it looks like. Right. But Christian growth is by grace through faith. We don't begin in the spirit in order to be perfected by the flesh, says in Galatians. Yes. Okay, so the armor of God is the gospel. Every one of those items is something directly related to the gospel. All right, let's just walk. We've got just a couple minutes left, but maybe just give us an overview of that. Let's look at each piece and see how this how how does this work out in our daily life? Okay, the 
the Bible calls this the panoply of God. Okay. The panoply is literally the Greek word, which would be a full array of armor. Yeah. That a soldier would need. Uh, it's not an allegory. It's an analogy. The whole of being in the gospel and the armor of God is the analogy. There's no secret to the whole thing. There's just a belief in what God has done. Okay. What, are, what is the armor of God? Therefore, it says, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. Is truth a gospel issue? Yes. Yes. The truth is the gospel of Jesus Christ, who himself is the truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, is righteousness a gospel issue? There is no righteousness apart from the gospel. Right. And righteousness is right standing before God. That is something that we have in Christ. Yes. Through the gospel. If we don't know Christ, we don't have righteousness. We just have religious works. Okay. okay. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The word preparation there, I think when I just recently preached it means readiness. And so gospel readiness means that the gospel is such a big part of our life. We're always prepared whatever happens with the gospel it's on our lips okay and that's what god's done for us yes so we're prepared to preach christ no matter what happens to us or how many attacks there are gospel readiness shield of faith well we're saved by faith we believe it, the gospel and we believe the promises of god that's a gospel issue okay and it says Take the helmet of salvation. Well, this here, as I just said earlier, is what we have now. We, our sins are forgiven. We have eternal life. We're safe in Christ. We are rescued from the peril of being under the judgment that's coming on all who don't come to Christ. So this is about salvation that we have now. Right? All right. Yeah, there's a future to it, but right now we have salvation. So we stand. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So the Word of God, I like how Luther said it, by the way. The Holy Spirit comes to us through the Word. Okay. And the Bible confirms that again and again and again. The Holy Spirit inspired the Word of God. The word, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, God the Spirit, who regenerated us. We're born of the Spirit, right? Yes. The Holy Spirit causes us to confess Christ. We've, we've got a video you can link on the very front page of CIC about how to discern a true work of the Spirit. I'll give you the short version. You confess Christ. Whenever that's the Holy right. Spirit comes upon somebody, they confess Christ. So that's the sword of the Spirit. This is all about the gospel. It isn't a secret. It's revealed in the New Testament. That's right. So, uh, dear listeners, and thank you for um, wanting to learn these things. If we stand firm in the gospel, we are in complete armor. 
Amen. We're not lacking something. We just need to stand. The thing that, just look at church history, if you want to know what the danger is. The danger yeah. is to not stand, but to retreat. Yes. What does retreat look like? It's going back to the practices of the pagans. And what does that look like? Occultism, Enneagram, mystical practices, yoga, uh, new revelations, all kinds of stuff that the pagans have. That's retreat. Standing is standing firm in the gospel, equipped by God, and we're not going to back down. We're going to confess Christ. Amen. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. We want to remind you, you can access this program and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website, cicministry.org. And we want to remind you to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis. And Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week.